Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. Today I am really excited because I have on the other end of this call my dear friend Gail Novak. Hi, Gail. Hi, Rachel. So fun to be here. I am so glad that we are able to do these. And you know, I'm really touched that there's been good, there's already been good feedback for the real deal. And also people are loving the buddy time episodes where we're doing some of these uh, answer the younger women's questions now that we're older. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about that, but it's the truth. I still feel like I'm 38, but I'm 58. Oh, well. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it's, it's really good. And One of the things that I wanted to say right off the bat is that I just really honor you for your time and giving of your time and being able to do this. I do. I look forward to it. Me too. Me too. I was so excited when I uh, saw on my calendar that we get to do this today. So yeah, it's going to be good. So one of the things that we decided we would do is kind of answer some younger people's questions now that we're older, like we said. And one of the things I want to say right off the bat, Gail, is I loved how you said we're just sharing nuggets mm-hmm. because the minute something becomes law to someone, yeah. they're bound. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I think it's a matter of you're powerful to think differently. Mm-hmm. If this works for you, great. If it doesn't, don't. And sometimes when I was younger, I would adopt something that somebody said as good advice. And if I lived with it and did a great job, then I could become prideful. Or if I didn't live with it, I could live in condemnation. And one of the things that I don't want to do is have it be from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, where the very good thing turns into evil. So you're just, ask Holy Spirit, you know, even as you hear us talk, ask Holy Spirit, is that for me? Or what part resonates Holy Spirit with something I'm supposed to take in? So would you agree with that? I just don't want any more bondage on any women. No more shoulds. This isn't like we're writing a a rule book. It's, um, it's... I think some of the things that we will say, too, will work with one child and not another. Exactly. Because my, my four kids are all very different from each other. And Exactly. That'll segue into one of the questions, if I can share it right now. Yeah, let's just do it. You share okay. ones, and okay. you can just say the first name of who it was that came in. And we don't both have to go back and forth, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. if, if I have something to add, sure, and, and when I do one, too, go for it. Well, it just it was, um, let's see who it was from. From Allie. Um, it was, what's the best thing you did with your children? And what was something that didn't work or didn't go well? It can be discipline or something you said or something you did. And I had so many thoughts about this because I did some things well and I did other things very poorly. And one of the things is now that my children are 23 to 30, um, that we've talked about and laughed about, well, and I asked for forgiveness for, was when I was tired and weary and my husband was traveling and I was parenting and one child did something that needed discipline, I would just blanket it with all of them and be like, y'all go to your room. And I would be so frustrated and so tired. And, And that was really hard for a couple of my kids that hadn't been involved in it or didn't do something wrong and they were receiving discipline. And for how they're wired, that was deeply, it was wounding, actually. Yeah, yeah. And so I had regret that I wasn't present enough that I could see, okay, well, first of all, how we disciplined in the 90s is different than how you discipline now, for sure. And I just felt um, overwhelmed, and so I would just blanket it and be like, 
you're hollering time out or y'all go to your rooms or no dessert or TV or whatever the thing was. And it was, it was actually kind of irrational and erratic and it wasn't calm and taking time to really find out what went on. And so that was a, that was a sad thing for me. Um, one thing I did that was really fun in the summers. I don't know if we talked about this last time. Tell me if we did. I don't want to be redundant. Was cotton balls. Did we talk about Mm -mm. cotton balls? Okay. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It was a very fun way. My kids still laugh about it. They'll be like, I cleaned my bathroom. Can I have some cotton balls? Because we did this reward thing where you'd get, um, everything like in the summer, like reading your book or exercising or helping Mm. with extra chores was like a little reward system. And so I bought all these prizes of things that I probably would have given them anyway. (laughs) And and so, (laughs) but they loved the, um, motivation of earning cotton balls. And I had some kids that would want to do something to get two cotton balls so they could get a piece of candy and other ones that wanted to save up to get the really cool funky chair that would go in their room. And it would be like 50 cotton balls. And it was so arbitrary and I totally made it up as I was going along, but they actually loved it. And they never like took each other's cotton balls or went in and snuck them (laughs) from my drawer or anything like, because they could have. But I think it was almost like learning how to budget and how to handle money, Mm. but in a really sweet, soft way. And, um, and then I could let so many things be yeses. Like, yes, you can have that piece of candy. And, oh, you read your book and you exercised and you helped mommy and you did some extra chores. And it was just a really sweet, it sounds so silly, but they still talk about it. Wow. And that they really, it really meant something to them because sometimes they would save up and sometimes they just had to have the, the treat or the thing. And it could be a date with mom or a date with dad. It could be a, a prize for their room. It could be um, another event. It could be the family goes for ice cream. Um, so many fun things that we would have done anyways, but it was a fun yeah. little reward system. And if they were, I also had it where it would be taken, things could be taken, cotton balls could be taken away if they were being um, stinkers or rebellious or whatever. And so I found it was a nice change from like timeouts or other discipline methods. It was just a fun reward system as opposed to always being disciplined or being in trouble. So that was fun. And and, and different than a star on a chart where somehow others are always viewing it. Uh, Christian wouldn't know whether Hannah had more cotton balls because Mm -hmm. they were in her possession. You know what I mean? Sort of like... Your, your righteous is not your righteousness or your lack of it is not displayed for someone to see. Right. And those and stars didn't motivate my kids. Well, it would have motivated my oldest, but it didn't motivate the other ones. But something tangible where there was like a reward at the end or just a prize mm-hmm. was, um, I don't know, it was powerful. And then I think one of the things that I did really poorly is um, um, feeding my kids and what food I gave them. Um, I know mm. so much more about nutrition now and... I would feed my children so differently now with organics and fruits and vegetables, more, far more of those things than processed foods and fast food and easy food that was kid-friendly. And I would have incorporated that from early on, way early on. And, mm. and some of them had some digestive issues and some problems with the food that they were eating, but I didn't realize it at the time. Okay. Yep. And one other thing that jumped out at me, it was I, I had in my gut that I wanted to take my kids to like a chiropractor to get some testing for some different issues that were coming up. And I didn't because of money or because mm. it wasn't in our insurance. And I would say to trust your gut as a mama. And if you need to get help, if they need to see a counselor, if they need to be tested because their reading's not where it should be, if they're having digestive issues, if they're acting out like kind of um, 
erratic or just like showing signs of maybe some some hyperactivity, which actually could be related to food um, or other things, or if they're having tons of tantrums or not sleeping at night, I wish I had gotten that help sooner mm. and listened to my gut. That's good. That's so good. That was, but I didn't because it just finances, and, but in the long run, it would have been better off if I had done it. There's essentially a different cost involved yes. in maybe waiting. Yes. And I think that's a good that's a good point because then you really are your child's advocate. Yes. You know, sometimes moms are like, "Oh, she's always saying she has a stomach ache," or you know mm-hmm. what I mean. But mm-hmm. instead, it's like something's going on, and yeah. how can I advocate for you? Yeah. And a lot of our emotions get trapped in our body. I mean, in Europe, they say eighty percent of of illnesses are are emotional related or trapped emotions, and it, it's not like that it's in their head, but it's like, wow, if they're really struggling at school. They could be having stomach aches every day or diarrhea or digestive issues um, or headaches. And so it's like, hmm, let's go deeper. Let's figure out what that's all about. Yeah, so, we think it's the physical, but it's actually manifesting in the physical. But it's probably yes. a soul issue, mind, will, or emotions or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because sure. we're holistic, you yep. know, and we can't yep. like separate, separate it out. It. Nope. No. Nope. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's so good. Okay. So that's a good answer. I love your answer. And it's so you. honest. Thank you. Isn't, isn't it true that we do things... I'm going to say we do the best that we can at the time with the knowledge that we had at the time. And one of the things that I I don't really have anything to add necessarily. Read the question for me one more time. What did she say? What was the best thing you did with your children? What was something that didn't work or go well Hmm. for you? Well, one of the things that I don't know if it was best, but I just think it's important to be a family together Mm -hmm. than be a family with like... The mom and the kids are usually together, but anytime you can do something with one, especially if you have mm-hmm. three or four or whatever, it, mm-hmm. it means a lot to them. Mm-hmm. And so I think it can be very, very um, complicated to make it seem like it's got to be this incredible date day. When if you just spend time like so-and-so, you hop in the car with me, we're going to be the ones that go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It begins to have a, a sense of I'm special not just the collective group of kids. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, looking back, know that I benefited a lot from that by being the youngest. So I was with my mm-hmm. mom and my dad, um, you know, more because mm-hmm. I was the end of that. But if I think about it, my sister would have had time before I arrived, but she wouldn't have those recollections because she was tiny. Mm-hmm. And I just think anytime we spe- spend special one-on-one time, it really matters. So yeah. I agree. I love that. I was thinking, I always remember you guys going on date nights and, um, we were not as consistent because my husband always traveled midweek and, um, but I, I always thought like Wednesday nights was a great night for date night. Um, especially when your kids get older and they can stay home yep. without a babysitter, but just dating. One of the best things you can do for your kids too, is dating your husband yes. and then dating your children individually. Yes. That is so good. And that's a perfect segue because I think one of my questions was about um, marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I will answer that. But yeah, dating is a big deal. And I remember ours was Wednesday night. And when we moved to Wisconsin, where that's where you and I met. Yeah. um, When we moved to Wisconsin, our oldest was 10 and -hmm. our youngest was five. And so he was in charge. And Mm -hmm. and I think it was lawful. I don't know that it wasn't, but it was lawful. And we would leave and go um, do things. And the, the beautiful thing about it was... If we were kind of lazy, like, oh, we don't know if we want to go on a date, 
They would be like, are you kidding me? No, you guys, Wednesday night is our pizza night. Wednesday night is our, we get to watch a videotape and, you know, VHS went in there, you know, and it was queued up and ready so that all they had to do was watch. And and it was like, no, you're going. So they kept us as as accountable Mm -hmm. because they wanted their alone time and fun time. So, So yeah, that was a, that was really great. Okay, so the question that I would say had to do with marriage and... This one was also from Allie, mm-hmm. and it says, how do you keep your marriage thriving? Mm-hmm. And I definitely want you to um, chime in here as well. But one of the things that I wanted to just say, because Allie, that is a great question, because that already assumes that you want it to thrive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that's just mm-hmm. a great question. And, and I would say everything that you do or don't do is based on asking Holy Spirit. Like, mm-hmm. is this for me? How mm-hmm. will I bless my husband? And how can I honor him? And just ask Holy Spirit. He knows and he's mm-hmm. got genius ideas. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say, I believe there is no cookie cutter marriage. And I love mm-hmm. marriage seminars. I've read marriage books. I've given marriage talks. But when you think about it, there are no two individuals that are like. So there are no two, there are no two marriages that are like because it can't be. So mm-hmm. that's why I believe it's important to ask Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But, um, One of the things that I think keeps the marriage thriving, and I've used this in my marriage talk, I think it's in Song of Solomon, maybe chapter two, but it says, oh, catch for us, the little foxes. The little Mm -hmm. foxes are spoiling the vine. Mm -hmm. And I think about how if you were a grape farmer, you had a vineyard, (laughs) right, whatever, and, and there were foxes that are spoiling the vine, you have no crop, you have no wine later. And it's just these little foxes that can spoil the vine. And so that's why it says, oh, catch for us, you know, and I would use that in my marriage talk. And I would be honest, it can be any stupid little thing that takes away the thriving of your marriage. And one of my little foxes early on was that Michael would leave his socks on the floor. Mm-hmm. No biggie. But I mean, it was, it would, it would drive, drive me crazy. And the cute thing now that I think about it is he would push his foot down on his toe and then he'd pull his leg up to make this like black sock come off of his leg. Then he'd push his other foot, his <laughs> left foot down onto his right and pull it off so that he didn't actually have to bend over and take his socks off. So I would watch him do that. And then I would stand there and watch that they would lay kind of like in a V position on the floor. And he'd walk away. Like, I took my socks off. I feel so much better. And it was just like, how dumb is this? But I'd be like, you know, I bet you he's just going to leave those socks there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I have to pick up for the kids all day long. And I'm the one that... And I started to let it get in my craw. And that little V would bug me. And I'd be so upset about it. In, but not like, honey, pick up your socks. Just internally. Mm. How dumb is that? You don't mm-hmm. get to thrive in your marriage when you don't actually communicate either. Right, and right. I was just inside suffering in silence, mad about the socks. And one day, probably reading this verse or whatever, I was really convicted. Like, number one, he takes them off when he's come home from work. Mm-hmm. Because Michael's a barefoot guy. He walks around barefooted. Mm-hmm. He's been at work. Mm-hmm. Be thankful for his job. Be thankful mm-hmm. for this man that goes and leaves and comes back. He returns mm-hmm. to you. Like all of this stuff just came flooding mm-hmm. in. And I was like, okay, that is a little fox. And I would pick him up. And I'm not saying that I never noticed it anymore, but I would pick him up and I'd be like, you know what? I have a washer. Mm-hmm. I have a dryer. Mm-hmm. Thank the Lord. I'm not, you know, standing by a stream trying to, you know, I just, it just shifted me. Mm-hmm. And so. It seems silly, but little things are usually the problem rather than some big, huge, sweeping deal for thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Then the other one was snoring. You know, he would snore and I would be, oh, those kids are going to get up in X amount of hours and I haven't been sleeping here. And, and, you know, then later we addressed it and he found out he had sleep apnea and, and, you know, he doesn't always wear his machine now, but I've got earplugs. And then later, same thing. I just thought, this is ruining my affection for him and my thoughts toward him. And he's sleeping next to me. He's snoring because he's in bed with me. Like just all this like grateful mm-hmm. perspective <laughs> change, perspective yeah. shift. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I would say catch little foxes and try to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to always bring them up to the person then. You just know what they are because otherwise they, it starts to erode how they feel uh, they need to be around you. Like, do I have to be perfect all the time around you? You know, so that was one thing. Uh, the other one was... Um, how do you keep your marriage thriving? This is a quote or a suggestion from Steve Sonderman, and you know him, Gail. Mm-hmm. And Steve Sonderman has no regrets ministry, and he's a wonderful guy and, and a dear friend. But the, his advice was talk daily, date weekly, retreat yearly. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that's good. Now, mm-hmm. no condemnation if you don't do those three things, but to keep it thriving, you talk daily. And we would try to have couch time. It was a suggestion for a course that we were taking with parenting. And at first it was like, oh my gosh, we set that timer and we were like, what? We don't have anything to say. And there's still seven minutes left. What am I going to talk to you about? Because it was so easy to just talk about the kids. And we literally had our microwave behind us. We were sitting on the couch and the kitchen was back that way. And we would turn like, oh my gosh. what? And then later we just talked daily and the kids could be in the room. They could be playing with Lego. They just couldn't interrupt. Mm-hmm. And I really loved how my husband helped me with that. He would say, nope, this is mommy's turn. Or, nope, you know, when, the, when the timer rings, we'll be yours. But right now you may be here, but you can't interrupt. And like you said, kids love to see mom and dad date. They mm-hmm. also see, like to see mom and dad talk, sit mm-hmm. together and talk about everything and anything. And they're hearing it. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, did you take the car in? And when's mm-hmm. the oil need to be changed? And who did, you know, just talk. Mm-hmm. So... Talk daily, date weekly, and retreat yearly. And I would say for retreat yearly, we do get away. Oftentimes, it's with couples. Mm -hmm. And so what happens with couples is the women go do things and the men go do things. And I'm not always with Michael. So we've tried to purpose to either go in a day early or stay a couple days late or something. um, Just to be, you, you really do notice that I'm your friend and I love you and it's thriving. And I remember, I want you to share whatever you want to share with this question, but just wasn't it a couple years ago that you and Dave got away and you just came mm-hmm. back saying, well, you just tell me because it was so good. Well, we have definitely worked through a ton in our marriage of 33 years. And uh, two years ago, October, yeah, right now. Um, wow. Wow. Congratulations. We went to St. Thomas and friends sent us to St. Thomas and we had gone away. It seemed like every time we went away because we had moved so much, we would go back and visit family or friends. And so that wasn't really a vacation of going away as a couple or really pouring into our marriage. Kind of and, more of an obligation. Yeah. And, and, you and know, it's busy. Even though you want people, to. And it's fun, but it was definitely not like romantic or calming or intimate. And so um, we went to St. Thomas and we walked to the beach and we had yummy meals and we slept in and we kissed a lot and it was just like so fun yep. so fun to get away and we came and we were so relaxed like you finally exhale after a few days and it's oh this has been so too long 
It's been so too long that we've gotten away. And even if you do a staycation, as long as you're not going to do chores or check your email, um, or you watch, have the in-laws watch the kids or trade with friends, swap with friends and do, do a swap. Um, where you watch their kids, they watch yours. Um, but getting away together is so important and such a priority on your budget. Like make sure you schedule that in and budget that in because it's invaluable over the long haul. It's again, it's like that preventative medicine of like take, doing things when the kids are little to have their bodies be healthy. Eating healthy now is going to save us money in the future. And um, pouring into your marriage now is going to save yep. a ton um, of either heartache or distance or not knowing who you are, each other are when your kids graduate from high school and leave and you're looking at each other like, who are we now? Yeah. So, which can happen is in the empty nest years. Um, and I would just say, um, to surround yourself with some godly couples that will lift you up and challenge you to be the best godly couple you can be. And when we were going through really rocky times of separation and, um, a lot of pain. Yeah. There were couples that were for our marriage and couples that were speaking death over our marriage. And when we surrounded ourselves with the couples that were speaking life over it and wanting to resuscitate it and like put like paddles on it, like clear, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are some dear friends now. And we weathered the storm through it. And so people that are going to speak life over y'all, and challenge you both as individuals and as a couple um, is really important. It might even be one couple, but um, and then so good. not to go to your parents or in laws and badmouth the other one. Ooh. yeah, not to not to talk negatively with your mama or their mom or other people because we can hang on to those offenses as bystanders, and you just might need to vent. <laughs> And um, that can cause a lot of damage. That's so good. Yeah, because honestly, the power of life and death is in the tongue. (laughs) And those who love it will eat of its fruits. Like literally to speak life about Mm -hmm. another person to other people. And I know as a verbal processor, that has been probably the hardest thing for me is uh, Holy Spirit will put a finger on like, you know, who did you talk to about that? Or when did you say that? Mm -hmm. Or who did you share that with? Because a verbal processor has to get it out. Mm-hmm. But boy, be careful, you know, set a guard over my lips, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips, like literally. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good, that's a really good point, Gail. Yeah. And I think so, also being intentional about um, your sex life. I think it can be really hard with small children. I think it'd be hard with traveling. I think it'd be hard with COVID. I think it could be hard with a lot of reasons. Or you feel fat or you don't feel sexy or you, you know, exactly you're not doing the right thing or you left your socks on the floor, whatever the things are. And I think even if you have to schedule it, that's okay. Because whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, it, it's it's really important. Yep. Even if it's once a week. I mean, even if it's not as much as one would want. I mean, like, but really being intentional about doing that regularly. I would agree. It's it's this union that God set up. It's his design. Mm-hmm. He's for it. He's mm-hmm. the designer of it. Um, and it's interesting to me that prior to marriage, you know, the enemy will do everything to make you want that mm-hmm. and want to be together. And after marriage, he'll do everything mm-hmm. to try to keep you from it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, what? You know, and mm-hmm. so it is vital. Otherwise, you begin to have a roommate. 
and yes. a dear friend. And you don't, you know, you don't need to just have a dear friend. This is your mate. And it's yeah. so, it's so uh, the fusion. Actually, it's a picture of God. We are one with mm-hmm. Christ. You know, he's mm-hmm. in us and we're in him. We are one. Mm-hmm. He loves us. We love him. He's like, it's such that picture. So it's a bond we can't really explain. Mm-hmm. And even if we didn't feel something exactly at that time or we're, we're willing or we're tired, the kids were, it does something to us to join us together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. entanglement. Mm-hmm. Just like the union One plus one is one. So. Amen. Amen. All right. You have another question? Um, we're doing well, right? We are. We're doing. We're getting through this. Um, mm, I like this one. This is from Linnea or Linnea. Mm-hmm. Um, Linnea. Linnea. Um, what is something that you would have prepared as a single woman before you got married? And um, I do a lot of premarital counseling with couples and um, through lesson Leslie Parrot ministry called Simba, Save Your Marriage Before It Starts. They take that quiz and then they meet with me and they, um, I just, it backtracks to the last question and this question. Um, it was very interesting that, that um, money and how you talk and chores which could be the sock thing, could be a little fox, were the hugest things that the couples realized in the first couple of years that they actually had tons of, like you'd expect money and communication. Like those seemed like pretty obvious, but like the chore one was huge. And so um, I guess I'm tagging this on to the last question, but I want to say it. So I just think too, like going and really figuring out, like even if y'all divide up the chores or you are, you know, one person does most of it. And I mean, like, Whatever y'all decide, again, it's an individual thing, as long as you're in agreement about it. So fast forwarding to the next question. Um, I, As I work with people with inner healing and freedom and, and um, getting old wounds healed, um, I would say to a young woman to work on your own healing. Because being married is not going to fix it. It's actually going to squeeze it. Right. And, and anything you can do, I think of like Esther and like the year she took to prepare, like, we're not necessarily doing that because you're not competing like the bachelor or the bachelorette show. It's, it's God knows who you're going to be with, but getting yourself prepared to be a wife and to think of yourself in a wife mindset. And, and so that's, how do you take care of your body and make yourself healthy and strong? How do you eliminate idols and things that are yep. in your life that are causing distractions from your walk with the Lord? Are you sitting in his presence, not in legalism, but in sitting in his presence daily and, yep. and just loving on Jesus and letting him love on you and knowing that you can hear God and um, just Preach. prioritizing that time that you're sitting mm-hmm. in his presence because it's going to transform everything around you and how you handle it. Um, so we're in working on your old healing. And if you take in daddy wounds, you're going to project those onto your husband. I mean, it's just, it's a pattern. It's a problem. And where your dad wasn't there for you and you're going to, your husband's going to be like, I didn't do that. That was from your dad. And so it's like any healing that you can get that you know of, or that you work with someone, um, is going to help you when you're married. Um, sitting in the Lord's presence. Okay. And just preparing your heart to be a wife. Um, I know that sounds super vague and cliche, but it really, there really is some, Kendall and I were just talking about this. She's like, what do I need to do to prepare myself to yep. be a wife? And I, and I think sometimes it's, um, we, we get in, we can get in a self-centered 
or self-care thing, and there's a difference between self-centeredness and self-care, um, of maybe not thinking about the other person. So, and he might not even be in your life yet, but I think it's a mindset and I think it's a practice. So I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make any sense? It makes a lot of sense. So expound as you want. No, I was just thinking about what you said, thinking about that other person. If he's not in your life yet, you can do something for another. Mm-hmm. Every day, you can do mm-hmm. something for another person, mm-hmm. whether they know it or not, whether it's tangible. I mean, like you could pray for another person, but like literally you could do a kind act. You could do something. Is there something I could do to support you? Is there a way I could help you? And then do it or do it before they ask. And uh, that keeps you looking out rather than always gazing at your own navel and thinking everybody should meet my needs. You, you've seen and then you're sowing a seed. Mm-hmm. I've done this for somebody. I've encourage this person, I've written to this person, I've called this person, I brought something over, whatever. Uh, Somehow ask, and Holy Spirit will give you that idea. Um, But one of the things that I did want to mention, and I was looking at Ephesians, because in Ephesians 5, we often hear people talk about, um, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, which is true, and it kind of is going to be a little bit of a question that maybe is coming up with somebody else's marriage question. But before that, verse 21 of Ephesians 5 The trouble is there's a chapter break. Mm -hmm. So we start with husband and wives, and we start reading there, but there's a chapter break that wouldn't be. It's not even a chapter break. It's just a section break. And the one before it says, submit to one another Mm -hmm. out of reverence for Christ. It's like when we think of the other person first, when we realize it's a back and forth, and then it says, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself the Savior. So I will never forget Stuart Briscoe, and he's been on the podcast season one a couple of different times, and he said something, and he brought up, during marriage, he brought up a scissors, and he brought up the scissors and said, this cuts paper, and he cut the piece of paper. And then he set it down on the podium and then he goes, and somehow he must have done something where he had another scissor or whatever, but somehow he took them apart. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I can't cut the paper with just one of the parts of the handle of the scissor or the other. It just doesn't work. And he kept saying, this is a both and thing. You mm-hmm. are submitting to one another. It's not mm-hmm. the husband. And it was just beautiful. And I think we practice that in ways other than just marriage. Mm-hmm. It could be a coworker. Mm-hmm. You know, do we always have to have our way or do we listen to them? Do we take their ideas? Do we champion them? Or are we always trying to get the attention? I don't know. Somehow I just think it relates to marriage, but it's a beautiful thought of just submitting mm-hmm. to one another as a, as a way of Christ. That's good. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel in a way, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right. Back to The Real Deal. I, I saw um, one of the other questions was just like, what do we do in the waiting? We want to be married. I, I'm not sure where that is. Yeah, I read that one too. I want to interject for a second. I do want you to read the question. I am excited because I've already had a yes for Krista Smith to be interviewed for the podcast, The Real Deal. And Krista Smith is an awesome prophet. She's a wonderful woman. And she didn't get married until shortly before 40 or in her 40s. And she has a new book that just came out. It's called Singled Out in a Couple's World. 
Oh, and I love the title. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk to her about her life because that's what I like on the real deal. I don't only need for her, the author to come on. I want mm-hmm. to know Krista, mm-hmm. but I think she's going to unpack some things that we don't feel like we have to like answer everything because she's gone through it and this yes. waiting process. And she basically, one of the things I would say from hearing her heart is that you don't wait and stop your life. You live your life because like you said, Gail, that's preparing you for all that God has made you be so that you can present yourself to this person. Mm-hmm. So, and you said that well, like even if the person isn't even in your sphere of influence or you don't know who they are, you're still readying yourself and taking care of your own wounds and figuring out your own things. For sure. I would say to like expand your tent pegs of, of your territory, um, which is, is challenging in this season, but it's possible. Like one of my daughters joined a softball league. <laughs> she's never played softball in her life. And yeah. she's having so much fun and met new people through that. They, my girls joined a life group. You can serve, you can volunteer in a local dog shelter or something. I mean, like anything yes. you can do to just expand your territory to meet more people. I think, you know, a lot of us have just gotten used to staying home and staying mm-hmm. isolated. Mm-hmm. So I'm just challenging everyone today that's single that, um, and you might be really tight, might be an exercise class. It might be taking an art class. It might be going on museum tours. It might be, you know, going on adventures and go hiking with a group of hiking people. There's like, there's like groups you can join. And so I would just challenge people to get out and get around more people. And even if you're introverted or shy, you're kind of like, oh, I'm not very comfortable talking to guys. It will create opportunities for conversation. Okay. And I think Say it stretches, that last part. That, it's, it stretches your muscles to be able to like, they shall rename nameless, but a couple of my girls are a little bit shyer and a little more introverted and don't, um, are like our neighborhood had all girls. Like they weren't even used to hanging out with guys. They're, they're they had girlfriends in high school, but they didn't have girl. Um, they didn't have a lot of guys in their life. And it's just, it's like practicing a muscle. They don't have to be flirty. They don't have to go to a bar. They don't have to like get drunk. They don't have to do any of those things, but just getting used to being able to speak to men and women (laughs) and be comfortable in your own skin and carry on a conversation and not get nervous about it. And so this, like some of the things that they've been doing lately has exercised that muscle. And I think a lot of people coming out of COVID have been, um, have had some social anxiety that have never had social anxiety before. Right. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I don't even know how to talk to people anymore. And the person I'm talking to is kind of awkward too, because we've all been hunkered in. And so it's just like, I'm encouraging people to step out and um, stretch those muscles and put themselves into some new situation. And if you end up hating softball after three months, you don't have to sign up again. Then right. do volleyball or bowling or like <laughs> take an art class. But there's so many things that you can do that would expand your, or work for Habitat for Humanity twice a month. Right, volunteer somewhere, like you said. Food bank. I mean, we have our church serves thousands of meals uh, every week, and it's so fun because you get to pray with people, you get to meet people every week, and 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 it just brings life into the dry places, so that you're not sitting there like, oh my gosh, my life is so sad, and I'm alone. As wow, I have a very rich life. Yes, my heart's desire is to be married. I would like to meet my spouse. And I pray in Jesus' name that the women who are listening to this right now um, and are the men that want to be married, that they could have their strength grown as they wait on the Lord and they prepare themselves to be a spouse and they get their voice and they serve and they get out of their 
comfort zone, which is not actually comfortable, but it's com- like feels comfortable. Yeah, um, familiar zone almost. Familiar. And it's like, let's stretch out of that, like the snake that needs to grow and get out of his snakeskin. Like we, we, we're growing into this next season. What does that look like? Where do you need to put yourself out there to um, say yes to an activity that work is doing or going out to dinner with a group? Um, where sometimes it's easier to go home and put on your jammies and watch, you know, HGTV. Um, I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to do, to go forth in Jesus name and that you would find the spouse and that the Lord would bring couples together and that you wouldn't grow impatient and just want to be married, that you would pick, um, the, the first thing that comes along when it's actually not who the Lord has for you. So that you would have discernment and wisdom in knowing that. And you'd have a peace or no peace. In That's Jesus name. so good. In Jesus' name. I agree with you that it's so good. Because when you are being readied, you can't be readied for something if you aren't, you can't, you can't drive a parked car, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes mm-hmm. people pause mm-hmm. like, well, I would like to do that when I get married. I would like to do that when my spouse and I could do that activity together. Well, you put a pause, and and I'm going to be honest that I've had some things in my life that I have not stepped forward with because Mm -hmm. I wanted my family situation to look different. Okay. Hang on. Just move. Just get Mm -hmm. going because this Mm -hmm. is the life I have. And this is, and, and, and also the belief that God, God will do things in his own timing. And so, by the way, on this season, season five, Episode two was with Jesse Culp, and I loved interviewing him because he said he got to this point where he's like, literally, Lord, am I going to be single, you know, forever? And he had come and we were praying together as part of our class, and he just seemed down that day. Anyway, in in the episode, he addresses that. And literally during all of COVID, he said, I know it's not everybody's situation, so I'm not trying to be insensitive, but COVID was the best thing that ever happened. And God just went in his life and just started Mm -hmm. dump truck loading this Mm -hmm. blessing and he met his wife and Mm -hmm. and you know they've had a child together and she had Mm -hmm. children so it's just like god will do something when we trust his character and we don't try to force his hand for sure you know so just believe for that and yeah thank you for that prayer for them too yeah i um i also just want to add to that social anxiety and just getting out there it can be in any way because as little as it would be Gail's comment on an art class or go bowling or whatever. Just start. Just do something. Just do something. Because sometimes we make it so big, like, well, what would I need to do? I don't know. Something. Uh, Yesterday or a couple days ago, I was walking out of the grocery store, and I saw this man loading these things into the back of his car. He had his, like, pickup down. I was thinking about the commercial that talks about... This pickup can come down or can be a step stool. It's like, and I was going to ask him if it was a special truck. And then I thought, if it's not a special truck, is he going to feel bad that his truck isn't a special truck? So I just said, Hey, what you loading? I said, those look like, are those drinking fountains? And he's like, yeah. And so he, he replaces the like basin where the drain goes down and, and he installs new ones. And so. We sat and had a conversation in the parking lot and found out that his daughter goes to Iowa State. I am from Ames, Iowa. My father was a professor at Iowa State. We had this lovely exchange. I said, well, I'm not from here, so I don't call them bubblers. But in Wisconsin, they call them bubblers. It probably took, I don't know, a minute, two minutes. Uh Uh But he was so eager to talk. Right. Because all I said was, hey, what are you loading? Is that drinking fountains? And he stopped. I mean, whatever. You you can always (laughs) tell if somebody wants to or not. But that was just a chance to have human contact mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and I wasn't standing close to him and it was outside. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so done. I just want to, you know, be with people. And mm-hmm. it was a beautiful exchange, actually. Anyway. I love that. That's neither here nor there. Missing- that can get edited out, but. No, but not missing those opportunities to 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 connect with humans and to connect with other people and to encourage people or just say something kind or to pray with someone. It's like we we have gotten so withdrawn from that, and I'm just encouraging y'all to do that to stop and take those moments to connect because we need each other. We're we all do. so thirsty for it. We do. We all are. And when you said, you know, it's tempting to go get your sweats on and then just, you know, stay at home. Well, what will happen is you get your sweats on, you stay at home, and then you'll look on your phone and you'll see other people living their life. Yep. Yep. Okay. Just live yours. Yep. Yep. And and but, I and you know, I'm not now. against social media, but I will tell you, I've put some games on my phone that are supposed to help my brain as we get older, Gail, because I'm like, mm-hmm. I can do a game or I can download this bilingual, learn my Spanish better. Because if I just look at other people's life, you know, my whole mantra, don't compare, don't compete, celebrate. It's like it's it's making you think yours is less than. No, it's not. Yours is your precious life. Live it. Do it. Mm-hmm. So all right, I think we're doing well. Do you have another one you want to do? Well, it's just what you just said a minute ago. It, um, Autumn said, if you could do your life over, what is one thing that you would do? Mm, um, good that's question, a Autumn. Huge, it's an awesome question. It's huge, and I'm just I'm going to just touch on one because we could do that question another time and have a different answer. But as I look back over my life, I realize that the fear of man and the fear of the world and what people think of me has stolen more from me than anything else in my whole life. And I would not do that. Yeah. <laughs> I would, like if I could train my kids or teach my children from a very young age to not fear what people think, or if I didn't, I mean, I was trying to, I was trying to keep peace in my family. I was holding my whole family together. I was, it was, there was some codependency. I had fear of my dad. It was like, I was like raising myself as a child. And so, but I lived in a very nice area in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, um, there was so much pressure to fit in. And so I spent most of my life filtering everything through if I was good enough, pretty enough, skinny enough, smart enough, tall enough, dressed preppy enough, the whole thing. And so then I, then I developed a fear of using my voice because there was negative feedback or backlash. It stopped me from, I believe being on a a platform of sorts, using my voice from a much younger age. Um, I would filter everything that I said or thought before I would post anything on social media to make sure that I didn't hurt, offend, um, that there wouldn't be backlash, that there wouldn't be gossip. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, and so then, that's exhausting and that exhausting. And then I would do nothing and I would yeah. say nothing. And then, so that silence wasn't helpful because the Lord had things for me to say. Amen. And I even had fear early on in my marriage of saying things and not because my husband was abusive at all, but because of the backlash from my dad when I would say things. And so it's like, oh my gosh, the things that could have looked different, the trajectory in my life could have been on, the way I would have parented. Dealing with the fear of rejection and man's approval at a young age would have drastically changed my life. So at 58, finally, got my big girl panties on, and I am (laughs) walking into more freedom where I fear the Lord, but I'm not fearing man. And um, yeah, so watch out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Amen. Amen. And number one, you do have a voice, and so does everyone. Exactly. That's that's the everyone only thing. Does. Everyone. That's that's. They'll say DNA wise, it will be the thing that will tell us all. You know, the voice activated things, or you know, it. My sheep hear my voice. You know, the whole mm-hmm. he speaks book is about that. But literally, the voice is so important, and God gave one to each of us, and we care about different things, and we are mm-hmm. triggered by different things, and we're passionate about different things. He wants us to use our voice. Mm-hmm. It's the most authentic thing when you are honest with what. You think and feel and are able to express it. It doesn't mean you have to run over people, but you don't. Mm-hmm. You you get to share it. The mm-hmm. world is uh, without your voice if you don't share it. That's huge, mm-hmm. Gail. That's a huge question. Um, yeah, maybe we'll touch on that one. Let's keep that one starred because there's we more keep things. That one because th- there's that. Yeah, there totally are more things as we look back over our lives. So, what one? What jumped out at you? But uh, you know, I just want to say what you said about the fear of uh, fearing God. I mm-hmm. believe when we have a healthy fear of God, every other fear leaves. Every other fear leaves. But until that's like you are God, that awesome fear of you are in control, it takes precedence over everything else. So, yeah. Anyway, okay. I have one more maybe, and we'll see. Maybe we should wrap it up after this, but this is good stuff. So, um, We have more we're going to get to. We have more we're going to get to next time. Yeah, we do. We have another one scheduled. We'll do another one of these. I love that we're doing this, Gail. Thank you for sharing. I'm learning. I'm learning from what we're talking about. Me too. So, she says this. How... Can we be a strong, capable woman, yet not overrun or run over men? Either way. Yep. What a good question. She's Mm -hmm. a younger gal, but I also think it's a good question in general. And first of all, I just wanted to read something from Galatians, not because this has to be a Bible study podcast, but wow, God's word has always has something to say about everything. And if it doesn't have something to say specifically about the subject you're thinking about, It has something to say generally, and Holy Spirit speaks to you. So this is um, Galatians 5. So it's actually Galatians 3. I'm going to read back, but I want to punch uh, verse 28. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under the guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Okay, that's an important part. You are all sons of God. For as many as you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. So there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Okay, here's verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And, you know, I love the part of 29 because if you're Abraham's seed, you're heirs according to the promise. The things that we, Father Abraham, got, we get because Mm -hmm. we're in Christ. Amazing. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to mention that because, Gail, you are a son of God. I am a son of God. Just as much as my husband, Michael, is the bride of Christ. It's not Mm. a male-female term. Mm. And creation's groaning, it says in in Romans 8, for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation is under subjection so that we step up and go, I'm a son of God. And so I think when we're sons of God, we don't need to get caught in the weeds of whether we're male or female. We don't need to get caught in the, I need to be more powerful. We would actually elevate another person and want to hear from them. And we would believe that same thing about submitting to one another, which kind of relates to the 
question we answered earlier about marriage. So I understand what she's saying, but it's kind of that fear of man again and getting your voice. Like you said, it's like owning who I am, what I have. I'm God's masterpiece, but we're one in Christ. So male is not better than female. Female is not better than male. So it's kind of like the pendulum has swung to now where there's like, I am woman. And, and no, you're a son of God. we don't need men. Yes. What? 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 Right. It's like, okay, we're super capable. That's a good thing to know. Mm-hmm. That's a good revelation to have. But we fight for one another, not mm-hmm. against one another. And I know, I think John and Lisa Bevere have done some awesome stuff with male-female stuff, but I'm not trying to shut the question down. I just think it's more complex than that. Be a son mm-hmm. of God, and so are other people, and love them. So I that's would, kind of that's simplistic, awesome. but it means a I lot love- to me. I love that. I hadn't actually thought about like the son of God as a female. I'm a son of God. And that Dave and Michael are actually the, I mean, I knew the bride bride of Christ, Christ, but it was like, Oh, that's so cool. I I wrote that down. I learned, I learned a new thought today. Praise God. And and you know what? He's readying a bride. It all ends in a big wedding. It's the most exciting thing ever. And it's pure and spotless. And he, he already won all of that for us. And so then we don't, have pecking order or pick at each other. We're just like, hey, we're going to banquet together. You want to come? Like, literally, we enjoy each other's life, yeah. uh, male or female. Well, and I just believe that, that truth is being um, uh, skewed and twisted and distorted and perverted in our time. I think it always has been. It's a way of a tool of the enemy to distort and twist and um, just have the pendulum swing from, um, you know, the, the male role, the male role, and now the, the feminist movement. Um, I think knowing our strength and our capability is a beautiful thing, um, but not at the, is it degradation, as, a, as the demeaning of men. Like, we don't have to stomp them out. It's like when, when a little kid, like, says something bad about someone else to make them feel better about themselves. Right. Like, we don't need to squash that person to right, raise up. And so when I, my thought was when I read that question about how does a strong, capable woman not overrun men, um, I just heard the word humility. Amen. Walking in humility. And then if we just press in and celebrate how God made men, like they're exactly. so different from us. And, and that's worthy to be celebrated. Like, exactly. Let's celebrate it. And so exactly. it's like, okay, Lord, how did you make him different? Well, I don't think that way, but it doesn't mean he's bad because he doesn't think the same way I think. And it's actually refreshing <laughs> that he doesn't think exactly the same way I think. So I think we can be strong and be mighty in the kingdom and be soft and and love well without having to demask it. Demasculate? Is that the word? Emasculate. Emasculate, yep. Yeah, I don't think we have to do, I don't think it's a trade-off. I think we can raise them up and um, honor how God made them. Exactly. Exactly. Not to forsake one for the other. Right, right. Both and, again. And and then kind of like the body, you know, it says in scripture that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. You know, Mm -hmm. literally, we can't say, we don't need men. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? And they can't say mm-hmm. we don't need women. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, man comes from woman. Woman was taken from man. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's a really great book by Chris Vallotton called Fashioned to Reign. Mm-hmm. And and it's that Eve was taken from his side. 
He wasn't taken from his feet so that she would be below him. He wasn't taken from his head so she'd be above him. It was that partnership beside him and from him. Like, we need each other. There wouldn't be Eve without Adam. There wouldn't be more children without the Eves. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a beautiful partnership that God wants. And and I have had, yeah, just some of the best. No matter what culture says about genders and all things, and men can be women and women, it's like, that is not truth. It's not truth. And you could go different places in the world right now and you will see a more beautiful setting because it's not taught that we need to be this or that. You know what I'm saying? It's Mm -hmm. just like, it's not everything is exactly the way it is in America. You know, sometimes going somewhere else where you see people prefer one another, you know, and that's what Philippians, you know, two is about, you know, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Doesn't mean you can't think of yourself well, more highly than you ought, but prefer one another. Like literally Mm -hmm. think about somebody outside Mm -hmm. of your own brain. It's helpful to Mm -hmm. look out. It's so good. Oh my gosh, we could talk for hours. On that. I know. There's one about there's one about the role of friendship for women. I want to touch on that next time because okay. number one, I feel like a gazillionaire. I'm uh, have friends, and I'm grateful. You're one of mm-hmm. them. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for you, Gail, and the part you play in my life. But I do think we have some things to touch on about the importance of girl pals, mm-hmm. and it you know doesn't take the place of your husband. I don't want to answer that question now, but I I okay. have I have that in the queue, and awesome. so. Those of you Love who uh, have a friend, thank them, call them, mm-hmm. text them today. Those of you mm-hmm. who need a friend, pray. God will bring somebody in and step out, like Gail said, and maybe share this podcast with a friend that mm-hmm. you would consider more of an acquaintance. Just mm-hmm. say, I thought of you. You're my friend. Whatever. So, mm-hmm. all right. Do you want to pray real quick for our audience, and then I'll close? I do. I do. I was thinking of some things that I wanted to say in our prayer. So, Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for um, this opportunity to speak into people's lives and do it with Rachel. It's such an honor, and I just honor her, Lord, and um, how you made her, and that she would um, include people in to her podcast to send messages out of truth yes. and hope and life. And so, Lord, I'm just um, pray blessings on Rachel and her, Michael and her family. And so, Lord, I'm just asking in Jesus' name that you would remind us to stay in the present. We can get caught up in the past and have regret or remorse or sorrow. We can get caught up in the future and have anxiety and fear. And so, Lord, I'm asking that you would help us to stay right where we are and remind us that strength will rise as we wait upon you. Hallelujah. That strength will rise as we wait on you. And so, Lord, I just ask that if we have heart's desire for the future of babies and a spouse or a career or to be in the mission field, or that we would write those things down because you put desires in our heart and you care about the desires in our heart. And then we, it's like a journal. It's like, to me, it's like a journal that I pray that women would write it down and then like hand it to you. And then you could write something down and hand it back to them or speak to their, to their spirit and give them hope about what's to come. That they wouldn't be, um, that they could write it down and then hand it over so that they can live in the, in the present. And so Lord, and I just ask that these, these listeners would get out and challenge themselves to get out of their home and get out of, from behind their phone or out of their jammies and go do something in the next two weeks. Like they would make a plan to go do something and they would get out there and live and and be willing to let people into their world to make new friends or maybe to go on a date or to join a group that you would make a way and you would 
press in and you would encourage them and that they would take the steps that they would overcome that fear and step over that hurdle because it feels like a really high hurdle, like a high jump hurdle, but it's really just like a step. And once they do it more and more, they're going to exercise those muscles and it's going to become easier. So Lord, I just pray blessings over this audience and, and um, you know what's in them. And I just ask that you would fan that flame. Oh, last thing, Lord, I just pray that they would sit in your presence mm. daily, not out of legalism, not to check it off the box, but because you are so amazing that they would want to sit with you, whether it's in worship or they would want to go walk and talk to you, or they would create something and be talking to you and thinking of you, that they would be in the word, that they would be in prayer, that they would, there's so many different ways that we connect with you, Lord. There's not something that's just perfect for everyone. Everyone does it a little differently, but that they would do it daily so that they can be prepared and filled up for the week and the month and the year. God, we love you. Lay it all at your feet. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for shedding your blood so we can enter the throne. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I agree, and I thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you, Father, that you are a good Father, that you go before us. You're also our rear guard, that you're going before the people who are listening today, God, and that you are going to instruct them and teach them in the way they should go. You're the one that counsels and watches over each one with your loving eye upon them. You tell us in Scripture, what a beautiful thought that your loving eye is upon us. And God, I also agree with Gail in your presence, God, that people would sit in your presence, just knowing that you're with us, that in your presence there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. People are seeking pleasure, Lord. People are trying to figure out something to be entertained or amused by. But God, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And then the joy of the Lord is our strength. So for those of those people who you feel like you don't have any strength, I just ask, I just release joy over you in Jesus' name, that that joy will be full and unspeakable, that you would be strong in the Lord because of the joy. And I, I also just agree with Gail. I just pray that you would arise. I, I just want to read a few sections of... Psalm in Isaiah 60, arise, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness, the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. So that's what I speak over you is that you would just arise and shine and that your light has already come. You don't have something that you're lacking. You have it inside of you. And so I just speak a blessing for you today and then. Gail, at the end of the podcast, the last podcast that I did with my dad, um, I said, Dad, would you pray over the audience? And he prayed this. And I would like to always end with it. Mm-hmm. Every mm-hmm. real deal. I'm just going to end mm-hmm. the way my dad prayed for people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Lord, we ask for all the people who listen. We ask that you would help us to be the best we can be. And we'll thank you in Christ's name. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like my dad is a great cloud of witnesses and what a great thought, you know, that we just would be the best we can be. We can't do more than that, but that God would enable us to do that. So I bless you, everyone. Gail, thank Mm. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, I guess we can stop this. All right. Love you guys. See you next time. Love you. See you next time. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace. <laughs>